You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News. And today we're going to continue coverage of the Pacers landing the sixth overall pick in the NBA Draft Lottery. Not a great day for the Pacers to fall from five to six. If you want reactions and kind of future thinking planning with that, yesterday's show with Jimmy Cook from 107.5 The Fan is the podcast for you today. It's all about trades and what everybody wants to know. And look, Kevin Pritchard tipped yesterday a couple things. And I, he did not confirm a trade or anything like that. He would never do such a thing. But And, and wishy-washy president stuff happens in his job. But he did say, look, they would like to be aggressive to get their guy, whoever that happens to be. And then he said, this is a quote, where you start in the draft today, sometimes it's where you end up and sometimes it's not, right? Like clearly the thought of movement is there. And look, I've covered a lot of Kevin Pritchard draft pressers. It was a little more pointed and obvious that they'd be willing to make moves and be aggressive this year than in other years where they were, you know, farther back in the draft. There was more demarcation around where their pick was. Given how this draft is and given the Pacers franchise situation, I think they're a little more receptive to it and a little more open to it. So we're going to cover all the bases today, trade up, trade down, trade out to the merits of all of them. And I'm going to start with two things. One, I would like to congratulate Pacers rookie Chris Duarte on making all-rookie second team. Squeaked it out by five second-place votes over Jonathan Kaminga, but he did make it well-deserved for his excellent, excellent first couple months of the season. Brett Bauer and I, a few months ago, did a podcast breaking down who we thought would make the all-rookie teams, and I believe we went 10 for 10, including both on both teams, if you want to hear more about that. So let's talk about these trades, and the other point I want to make first here is I am very much team trade up for the Pacers, and I'll cover that base first here. But to me, look, they have not picked this high. The Pacers have not picked inside the top 10 with a single-digit pick since 1989. Reminder, no one on the Pacers roster, on the Pacers payroll right now, was born at that point. Some staff members, some coaches were not born at that point, right? That is a long, long time ago. And these opportunities for a franchise that likely will be within the same ownership group for a long time going forward could very rarely pop up again. There's a chance that they would like to be going back to be good next year, and they're pretty far from that. But if they would like to be good and then they skirt out of the top 10 again, this is a rare, rare, rare opportunity for this franchise. And to me, when you're so close to the top whatever, if your guy or the guy you think can be the star is up there, you have to trade up to get him. You have six, which is the best asset in the draft they've had, again, in 33 years. I am very much team trade up on the condition of that the Pacers agree with the consensus of every draft expert and me that there's kind of a tier of four and a half, depending on how you feel about Shaden Sharp, guys at the top of this draft. To me, you have to try to go get one of those top four guys if you're the Pacers, especially if you agree with the mocks that they are the top four in this draft. And that, you know, between... Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, Chad Holmgren, Jay Nivey. If you truly believe, and you're the Pacers, that none of them will be there at six, and you believe that they're the best four guys in this draft, trade up and get one of them. That's what I think because it's so rare for them to be in this situation. Let's talk about the merits of trading up, and that's the big one, right? Obviously, you know, if they want the best player there, they should get it. They're never in this spot. They might not pick this high for decades again. And so the thing about this is, and something Kevin Pritchard said yesterday, is they have to get their guy. They think their guys there at six, all this stuff I'm saying makes absolutely no sense. But it's a rare chance to me for the Pacers to be flush with young 
talent. Uh, who knows if they can keep Jalen Smith? Even if they can't, they would have a 2020 lottery pick in Tyrese Halliburton, who looks like he's on a path to be an all-star, perhaps a multi-time all-star. They would have Chris Duarte, who was just named to all-rookie second team, right? One of the best 10-11 rookies in that in a loaded class. You know, 10-11 rookies doesn't sound great, but that draft class is insane. To be among that group is very impressive. They also have whoever they picked this year, right? Those three guys, that's a good young core, right? That is a start of something, even if it's not necessarily a championship core yet. That is something. So if you can make that third and final thing an awesome, awesome piece that really complements the first two guys I just mentioned, Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte, all of a sudden you have a three-headed monster that is just spectacular, and all those guys can create their own – well, assuming their guy they draft in the top four can create their own shot, although Chet is the worst at it. The other uh, – Jabari's okay at it. Two of them, Paolo and, J- and Jaden Ivey, look like they will be able to. Anyway. If they all can create their own shot, that's a three-headed monster. That is what is kind of guiding these playoff teams. Outside of the Mavs, who Luka is a heliocentric monster, and they're the best defensive team in the world, apparently. You know, the Celtics have a lot of guys who can beat you off the bounce. The Heat have a ton of guys who can beat you with moves. And they are a brilliant X's and O's team. But, you know, the Warriors have a ton of guys who can beat you on a given night now that Poole has ascended. Even the teams that lost, the Suns had a bunch of guys who could beat you. They probably need one more, honestly. Uh, and that's more evidence in, in favor of the Pacers trading up for an absolute stud, Right. The Bucks, if they had Chris, they would have had a three-headed monster. They just won a championship based on that strategy, right? These teams all kind of have a ton of high-quality offensive weapons that can beat somebody off the bounce and make a play, sometimes just for themselves, but in general for their teammates. And those, there maybe there is that guy in the, at six for the patient. Maybe the guy they identify at six can do those things. But it looks like a lot of the guys kind of five through nine or wherever you draw your marks. Look like they're going to be good starter quality players, but not necessarily that guy who can who can cook off the bounce and and create shots. I think that's the most perhaps the most valuable skill in the NBA right now is shot creation. Or can be a high level enough at like everything else to really fit in with the rest of your team, whether that's on the defensive end or doing other stuff. So to me, trading up is like a no-brainer option if the right value is there. Now that's the that's the flip side of this. Without knowing the offers, you can never be critical of the Pacers for not moving up because if they're so debilitating, it's not worth it, then it's not worth it, right? This draft is good, but it's not insanely good. It's not worth giving up so much stuff to move up. But, you know, given their franchise situation, we're getting that third stud. Not to say Duarte is necessarily a stud at this stage, but that third stud could really, really change where they are. And the, and the final reason to move up is kind of something I've alluded to a couple times. But I think it's going to be tough to move up, and it might be debilitating, that's because there is this line of demarcation of, you know, every mock you read. And when I say mocks, I want to be clear for anyone who listens to Lockdown Pacers in the future. I only read mocks basically from people who are like plugged into the league, not just people who watch these players. Like my mock should be nothing to you, but like Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz and Vassini from The Athletic and, w- and Wass from BR, you know, those guys, they know scouts, they know league execs. Like, their mocks are intel-based, not just who they think is the best. And I'll do my own based on who I think is the best. But those guys, you know, they all have a pretty clear top four or five, right? And that's why, you know, that line of demarcation, if the league thinks that way, then, then you know, there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> those four guys look like they're going to shake out to be the best. And because of that, you know, those guys look like they're the four that have the best chance to be above the starter level range. Like they could be something serious, like an all-star level guy or a starter, like a, a good closing player on a playoff team level player. Because that line of demarcation is ahead of the Pacers. If the Pacers were four, the argument for trading up to me would be much weaker. But because that line of demarcation is ahead of the Pacers, big, even if you count Sharp 
Shaden Sharp in this top tier, which I don't, even though I do kind of like the idea of the mystery box. Um, I don't have him there, and I think it's risky for the Pacers to be taking a guy like that. You know, they should be really thinking about getting above that line. I think in their situation where they, again, and the strongest reasoning is in their situation where they might not be in this situation for decades again, if, they're, if their ownership group has their way, the one making the decisions and, you know, tell, you know, we can talk about Kevin Pritchard being the president of basketball operations and building a team and trying to build a contender. And yes, the Pacers try to build the best team they can every year, which is great. But he works for Herb Simon, right? He has a boss giving him parameters and telling him what to do. And I think that this is a rare chance for the Pacers to, in a, in an owner's eyes, who is all about being good all the time, which is noble. Again, they made the playoffs 25 times in 32 years before these last two seasons. They have a rare chance to get a, an absolute stud dude in the draft. They have not had a chance to pick this high in forever, and they've gotten some studs in the draft, but you know it's, it's unusual to get them where they have in the past. They have to go for it to me. And I think that is the strongest argument in favor of trading up is that they could just not be in this position again. If there was a chance, and this is possible just given the landscape of the league, because there are so many good teams right now that are going for it and trying to be good, there's a chance they end up in the top 10 again next year. And if and if I thought that they would go, if they thought that they were going to for sure, you know, kind of do a gap year and and go to okay, you know, we'll win 30 games this year, get a little better, and have a high pick again. If I thought they would do that, or I thought that was the strategy that the Pacers would would do, then it wouldn't make as much sense to trade up because we'll have another stud pick next year. But they would like to improve. They're the they're the Indiana Pacers. They might not have this opportunity ever again. They have some core pieces in place that are strong enough to make this team improve enough to get out of the top 10, even if. They're not a playoff team next year. So I think they have to go for it trading up. That said, I do think there are pretty solid arguments on the other sides of this trade up, trade down, trade out thing that I want to kind of parse through just so the arguments are all laid out on the table. And, you know, the reason I like to lay them all out in a way that shows all the pros of them and the cons of them and compares them to each other is to say that even if they don't do the thing that I think makes the most sense or that you, the fan, thinks makes the most sense, doesn't mean it's dumb. It just means it's a different way of thinking and they value something different. And perhaps... They do not necessarily value that high push. Perhaps they value having a ton of assets going forward, and I think there is potentially a strong reason for that. So let's talk about the trading down option for the Indiana Pacers in this upcoming draft. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about two wonderful groups of people. First up, the good folks over at TrueBuild. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download TrueBuild to take control of your subscriptions. It's a new app. It helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it simple. Link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. They have over 2 million users and have helped them save over $100 million. And do not fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. And it's Lockdown Pacers. we got to talk about the good folks over at Bilt Bar. We're making the best tasting protein bars ever. 100% covered in chocolate. Delicious protein bars that come in on amazing flavors. There's something for everybody. And their new flavor is these birthday cake puffs ones that are absolutely delicious. You've got to try them on their website. It's basically like... 
tasting healthy birthday cake, which is crazy. Um, but they also are, are promoting their brownie batter puffs uh, right now straight on their website. If you love brownies, that's the way to go. So what makes them so awesome besides that they're delicious, right? They taste like a candy bar, unlike most protein bars, which tastes like, as Nate Duncan says, the inside of a sawmill. They're delicious. That's the first thing. The second thing is they're healthy, right? The brownie batter puff one, for example, is 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 7 grams of sugar, right? Perfect pick-me-up to get you through the day. It's a good meal replacement or a snack, whatever you would like to do with it. It's perfect for that. You can try it all at Built.com and get their new flavors or a mixed package with a bunch of their most popular flavors. If you go to Built.com, when you check out, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, I highly recommend Lockdown NBA Big Board to hear more about these draft prospects from guys who cover the draft year-round. They're traveling around the United States right now meeting with some of these guys, seeing some of them at the Combine. They've talked to talent evaluators. They've got it all. They're killing it out there. Speaking of, tomorrow on Lockdown Pacers, Keegan Murray analysis, the guy right in the Pacers range, given how some of these mock drafts are appearing to go. Let's talk about the Pacers trading down. Because while I think the Pacers should be pushing to trade up, in fact, I think this is the best time, and maybe in franchise history, to really push in for one of those high-level picks. There is merit to trading down. And the strongest one is, to me, that something I mentioned in the first segment, because of that line of demarcation that the Pacers should try to cross. Because, let's say the Pacers really want to move up. They really love a guy in the top four, but they can't do it. It's not worth the cost. It's too much to get there. All those teams in the top four love their guy, and they're going to pick there. So if you're the Pacers now, you are in this tier, and and you know you the listener can have whoever you want in this group. Maybe you have six guys in the top tier, whatever. But for me, and I think for a lot of again these evaluators that I trust, this is a tier of like Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin, Shaden's in this tier, maybe <laughs> Ben Matherin. Uh, Tari Eason, uh, Dyson Daniels, Jalen Duran. Like, it's a much bigger tier of like the potentially to probably at some point starter level dudes. Probably is not fair. That is high expectations for a prospect. The starter level projection dudes. It's a longer tier. It's probably like five through 10 or 11, you know, maybe 11. And if that's the case and you're the Pacers at six and you don't, you know, maybe you love some of the, one of these guys and you want to get them at six. In that case, pick them. But if that's the case, if you're the Pacers, move back in that tier. Maybe someone else in that tier loves somebody at six. Swap with them. Pick up an extra asset. Move back so you can still get roughly the same value. This is why it's important to have tiers in the draft. Because then you can get somebody in the same tier but scoop up something else. That's a really important way, to me at least, to kind of operate in the draft. You know, I think the Pacers have talked about Ryan Carr, their director of player personnel, has talked about that kind of tier idea before in some of the interviews. I don't know how much they use that when they evaluate trades or things like that. But, you know, for example, last year, moving up from 31 to 22 by using Aaron Holiday. And they get Isaiah Jackson there. You know, if they thought Isaiah Jackson was going to be there at 31, they wouldn't have done that. And if they thought Isaiah Jackson was in the same tier as a lot of the guys they could have got at 31, they wouldn't have done that. But they identified him as a guy who's above the tier they were going to pick at and that they could get that pick in a trade, in that huge Westbrook trade, and they did it. And so that's kind of the inverse of this situation, where the Wizards, who had 22, were like, you know what? We've got a pretty long group here of guys we like. They picked Isaiah Todd at 31 from the G League Ignite, and they move back, and they get other stuff along the way. In this case, they got Aaron Holiday, right? So that kind of deal makes sense for the Pacers to me because of the first reason, there is that line of demarcation after the stars. If the Pacers view it, as it seems like most of the talent evaluators do, perhaps it would make sense for them if they don't love anyone in this group to move back a few spots and scoop up some other asset. You know, if you're falling from six to eight or nine, that's probably like a, 
a pick in the 20s level difference maybe, maybe a future first if the team thinks they're going to be good in the future. That's probably what that value change would be if a team really likes a guy and would like to move up. So perhaps that is appealing to the Pacers. Another reason to move back, and this one is a little too rosy, is if you're the Pacers right now, you will have Tyrese Halliburton, who you think might be a star someday. And you also have Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson and Gogo Batadze and pick six this year and pick 31 this year and the Suns pick and this Cavs pick. You have pretty dang good ammo for the next available, maybe not quite star, but really dang good player who either wants out or the te- a team needs to move to facilitate other moves. And so maybe the Pacers don't want to do that. That's always a risky thing to do to trade for one of those stars. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes you get Kawhi Leonard to win a championship. I'm not saying the Pacers can get a Kawhi Leonard level dude at all. I'm just saying that star trade has, you know, Anthony Davis got a title with the Lakers. Like sometimes it works like that. The Nets got James Harden. It did not work there, right? Like there, there are a million examples of these things, but there's even trades that aren't as high level. Like Tobias Harris. That was a good trade for the Sixers until they paid him a bunch of money. Like that kind of stuff would be really helpful for the Pacers. Tobias Harris was really good when that trade happened. You know, Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, for example. Like those kind of deals require big stuff to get those really good players who complement your core really well. So not those specific players, but like those kinds of trades happen fairly often. CJ McCollum got dealt this year, although that was kind of a lower value. So those kind of trades happen fairly often. And if you're the Pacers, maybe you don't want to give up Duarte. That's fine. But you still have six if you move back, whatever, eight. And then so so the, I shouldn't have said six earlier. They If they trade back, they now have the pick they trade back for, plus something extra, plus the Cavs pick, plus all the young guys I just said, plus 31. Like, they could really have a ton of stuff to say, here, we would like to trade for X star, X sort of really good player that we think fits really well with Tyrese Halliburton. And not to say picking at six doesn't keep that door open, especially if they nail the pick. If they get someone good at six, they, once again, have an awesome package to go get that guy. But if they... A view it as okay six and nine have really similar values to us we can get something else then they have an even better package for the star player right so i don't know that the pacers would be thinking that way now but thinking two years ahead maybe when halliburton is close to his peak or close to his prime whatever i think that's a reasonable strategy to say if we can pick up some other assets we could be really well positioned to get our guy and i say that because Kevin Pritchard said this draft, they're going to be aggressive to get their guy. And if that means that it's a guy they can't get yet, but can get in the future, that kind of counts as the same thing to me, even if it means that this draft kind of changes course on the way that the Pacers are thinking. So reason one to trade back would be they, they, they don't, they can't move up. Their guy is gone and they view this tier from six to or five to 11 or five to 10, wherever you have it as similar talented guys, they should move back. Or if they realize they can get a bunch of extra assets that wouldn't really change their draft plan. That could allow them to do something, you know, in, in a big trade in the future. Yeah, that makes sense too. But the uh, the reason I think it's sort of tenable, and I wouldn't kill them for trading back a little bit. If they trade back to like fourteen or fifteen, you know, that's a little dicier. I think given how this draft looks, but they could still get someone solid at like eight. You know, if you've been listening to a lot of these shows, uh or these draft preview shows that have been happening here, like Dyson Daniels looks like a pretty high floor kind of player. And his defense looks really solid. Like AJ Griffin looks like a pretty good player. I really like him. Ben Matherin's athleticism is nice, although he just measured at 6'6", so he's more guard than forward, whatever. That's why these draft combine things are important. Keegan Murray looks like a pretty complete player. You'll hear more about him tomorrow. I like Duran, even though the Pacers have centers. Like this, this tier has good stuff. So if you could, if you you still could get a good player by trading back. And that's sort of the same as the first point of, you know, it's all a tier. 
But because the play, they're still good players. You know, it's not like you're dropping from one reserve projected guy to another. You're dropping from one potentially starter level guy to another, which makes some sense. So I think that trading back has some good merit because this tier is at least still good that the Pacers project to still be in. It's not the top four. It's not, you know, the mystery box shade and sharp, but it's still good. And I think that is why. There is some merit to trading back. They could get extra stuff that could be important for them in future trades. They could still get a guy with a roughly similar valuation to their current pick. And all along the way, they get some extra stuff that can help them shuffle their team and remain flexible. And they have really prioritized flexibility in recent seasons and even have a lot of flexibility now with their cap space options or lack thereof. Whatever they decide to do, they could cash in that flexibility now or they can continue to add to it. And having a lot of flexibility allows you to make big moves in a low cap space league environment. So, the trade-back argument, I think, is sound. I think that it makes less sense than trading up, given the, the franchise's current situation. But it does not. It is not a bad plan. That's what they decide to do. What about trading out? No pick in the top 10. That would stun everybody. But it, it, I, bel- I don't remember if KP said it specifically, but not off the table. Not something that should be off the table ever. No option should be off the table when you win 25 games. Let's talk about trading out. No pick in the top 10. They trade it for an already in the league kind of player. Before we do that, I got to talk to you guys about Sakara. Feeling your best starts with the way you eat, and Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it. Enjoy it with delicious, plant rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Now is the time to see wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life. Starting with what you eat and with Sakara, you get nutrient dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without sacrificing taste or quality. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. They're nutritionally designed, chef-crafted. Breakfast, lunch, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curve your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing and it's delivered right to your door ready to eat. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order. When they go to sakara.com slash locked20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout, excuse me, locked on 20 is the slash there. That's Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, go check out Locked On NBA to hear more about Warriors, Mavs, and some other draft lottery related fallouts. And to hear me, because I will be hosting the show this evening. So if you want to hear me babble about the NBA and not just the Pacers, that's the way to go. Let's talk about trading out. Admittedly, the most flimsy of these three options to me, but not something that should be unconsidered. And the headlining reason for this is, let's go back a segment in theory, right? You talk about acquiring more assets for the eventual star trade. Maybe you think the star's in this draft, but if you can't get the star in this draft, you'd like to have as many things as possible to get that guy next to Tyrese Albert. Let's say the star becomes available this offseason. The NBA is crazy now. Players get traded all the time and get to make like no one thought Tyrese Halliburton would get traded you know you never know what's on the table or what team is shopping what random guy what what random young guy may be available or what random star may be available given team situations being so dynamic I don't think it's crazy to think that there's going to be one surprise stud that becomes available this offseason and if you're the Pacers you have six and the stuff I mentioned in the last segment perhaps if the star is available now and it's the right guy the Pacers would trade out now that's the only reason that makes a ton of sense to me. And I don't know that, you know, given that they just won 25 games, you can't just insert a star and boom, you're done. You have a really good team now. So I think that what makes more sense for the Pacers to trade out would be if someone pretty young, like a really established young dude who got picked high in the past, 
was going to be traded for some reason. So I came up with an example, and I am not saying they should do this trade or that the player I'm about to name is going to be available or that this makes any sense for either franchise. I just came up with the name. But the Hawks have a ton of young guys they're going to have to pay eventually. Trey Young's already expensive. What about DeAndre Hunter, for example, who got picked fourth a few years ago, looks really good, but has been banged up. You know, If he becomes available, would you trade six just straight up for him? The Hawks would like to push their expensive team back potentially. Like, this is just an idea of something that would make sense is the Hawks get cheaper. They get another top 10 talent. The Pacers get Hunter, who looks great when he's playing. Not playing all the time. I know the Pacers fans would not necessarily love a guy who's been hurt all the time. But just for example, something like that. I don't think that that necessarily makes sense for the Pacers. But, I mean, Hunter's a really good scorer, really good defender, really has ramped up that three ball. Like, if something like that happens, that would make sense to me, right? That is something that he is young. And that's why it makes a lot of sense, right? He is 24. So, for example, DeAndre Hunter. But insert young guy on a team that might be looking to offload young guys because they have a ton of them already and it's crowded, like Orlando, for example. Or, you know, you could go through a million of these scenarios. But if that kind of guy, a really good young player who maybe hasn't quite eclipsed their peak yet or is in a a not great fitting situation, if it makes sense to trade six for that guy to trade out, maybe that makes sense because then, you know, with the pick, you get a lot of time to develop your player. You love your development system if you're the team making the pick. Like, sure, you're you're happy with your pick always. But if you, you know, there's always some level of uncertainty with the draft. If you trade for a young player, you know. You're at least you mo- know more of what they can be because they've been playing for another team and playing well in the league for a while. So the trade out argument to me starts there. You can get a really good or pretty good young player who becomes available this offseason for some random reason. And again, I'm not suggesting the DeAndre Hunter trade specifically. I'm just outlining why he would be a guy that would make sense in the scenario. That would make sense to me as a trade out region. And again, the star package, like an actual veteran star, I'm not saying like the Pacers should trade for Bradley Beal, but if Bradley Beal becomes available and they think, hey, Halberton plus Beal, we could be really dang good next year. We've got the stuff to get him right now. Like that would be the reason to trade out. If the Pacers look at their situation and look at who's available this offseason and evaluate it that way. That would be the the strongest reason to trade out. Now, the other reason to potentially trade out is for a future pick, and this is a very niche and specific example, but let's talk about this. The Pacers, okay, first of all, I've read a lot of, of websites, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts talking about the Pacers that say, the Pacers are going to have max cap space this summer. I would love for those people to show their work because, no, they won't. The Pacers will not have max cap space this summer. They'll have a lot. Potentially, if things, you know, if, if they want to do certain things, they can have a lot of cap space. They will not have max space as of right now. That said, if they would like to, then trading six for some crappy teams 2023 first, or some maybe less crappy teams unprotected 2023 first, you know, you get the idea. Pushing it back a year because you don't like this draft or for whatever reason, to that would free up. About six and a half million, seven million on the Pacers cap sheet. That would get them to max space. If they know, and this is extremely unlikely, but if they know there's a guy out there for the max on the free agent list, and there's not very many of these guys. Maybe Miles Bridges sounds like he's gonna get the max. I wouldn't pay him the max, but he'll be out there. Zach Levine's out there. DeAndre Ayton has been floated towards the Pacers recent in recent days, which is an interesting one. I would not give him the max myself, but you know, if he's out there and the only way he's coming to the Pacers is if you give him the max and the Suns don't match. Maybe that is a reason for them to consider it. They know they can get the guy. That would be the, I think that is one of the easiest ways for them to clear space that isn't, you know, they have cap space 
which makes it easy to take on salary. But shedding salary in this environment in the NBA, it's pretty hard. The only other way they can do it is by you know declining some team options on some like decent young players or finding random trades to cut salary. And that's just trading to trade. Might be the easiest way is trading back or trading out. And so if they really want max space because they think they can get someone, that would be the cleanest way to do it. Now, the trade would have to be worth it to me. I mean, the, getting a max guy is a max guy. You'd love to do it, especially if you don't have to trade anything for the guy. So it should, that would make, you know, that's a strong thing to do if you're the Pacers, right? Freeing up cap space to still get a good asset for your pick and then signing a max guy, oh, home run. And I keep saying a max guy because I don't love any of the max guys, but they're going to get the max. So if they come to the Pacers, they come to the Pacers. But, you know, that would be a strong use of trading out to me because you wouldn't have to give up any assets for the max guy in that case. You'd have traded six for roughly equivalent value for six and getting the max guy. That seems great if it's possible. It's super unlikely because this free agent class is not very good, right? Like Zach Levine is the star who maybe could switch teams. I'm not even sure he will leave Chicago. They have um, 150 million, more than that, 200 million reasons to keep him. But he could be potentially the, the best player who moves. And then after that, like maybe Miles Bridges again is a max guy. And maybe DeAndre Ayton is considered a max guy. And that's kind of it. You know, it's kind of not a class for a lot of that level of free agent. So maybe if the Pacers think they can get one of those guys or they would fit really well within the Pacers core, they could try to shed space by moving out of six completely and getting future assets for it. But, you know, that is a very unlikely thing. I just wanted to include it as a reason they would potentially do it is, you know, if the DeAndre Ayton rumors get really, really hot, right? They've already been the murmur. The, the talk has already happened about the Sabonis Ayton murmur from midseason. That was real. Um, if those talks get hot again this summer for some reason, then maybe they would do something like that. But that is not a, you know, look, the trade out reasons are pretty weak to me. The trade out reasons are you either hate the draft, this draft basically, and you can get a star now, or you can max a guy. And it's the Indiana Pacers. They probably can't get a max guy in the door. And, you know, trading for a star now after winning 25 games doesn't make a lot of sense. So I don't think the, the reasons that the Pacers would trade out are dumb. But I don't think they make a lot of sense given the situation for the franchise, whereas the trade-back situation could make sense depending on how the draft goes. The trade-up situation makes a ton of sense given the state of the Pacers right now. But I think everything has to be on the table. Kevin Pritchard said the Pacers are going to be aggressive. They're going to try their absolute best to get their guy. They've got a treasure trove of assets. Not a treasure trove. They've got a lot of assets. They've got space. They can make moves happen. They can go wherever they want. Maybe they want to pick at six and they love someone they're going to get there. That is certainly possible. But I think that Given their situation and given Kevin Pritchard's tone on his presser, which you can now watch on YouTube, by the way, there are a lot of reasons for the Pacers to consider trade. So that is my thoughts on the Pacers trading in the draft. And now we have survived lottery coverage, preview, recap, and what the Pacers can do now. Check, check, check. If you have any other questions about the lottery, you can tweet them at me at T East NBA or at Lockdown Pacers. Tomorrow we'll swing back in towards the actual prospects, right? Who could the Pacers pick? Does it make sense? Keegan Murray is up next. Already recorded with Adam Spinella from the Boxing One. Awesome show. Adam is one of my favorite guys to talk to. We'll get Jaden Ivey going next week, even though he may or may not be available in the Pacers range, and try to knock out some of these guys who are still out there that I haven't done. Duran, Ben Matherin, Tari Eason, etc. So stay tuned for all that kind of stuff. But next week we will move back into, and even tomorrow, we'll move back into some of those prospect breakdowns of the Pacers situation is more known. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow.